0: Hi, I'm Jennifer
1: Mulholland. And I'm Jeff Shuck. We're the co-leaders of Plenty. Thanks for joining our podcast, Plenty for Everyone. Each episode, we talk
0: with conscious leaders like you to explore abundance in work and life, fulfillment in head and heart, and ways we can all work together to make this world a better place.
1: Hello and welcome, everyone, to episode 45. Wow, episode 45 of Plenty for Everyone, the podcast for conscious leaders. We're really glad that you're here. I, again, am Jeff Shuck, as you just heard in the intro. That intro, Jen, we might be ready to re-record it. I have to let you know because I was just listening to episode 44 this morning in the car, and it starts with our lovely music, and then I say, And hi, I'm Jeff Shuck. It so we so might funny. be it's <laughs> pretty bad. It seemed less cheesy in twenty twenty, but we may we may be ready for something else. Yeah. But if I'm Jeff Shuck, you must be Jen Mulholland.
0: Yes. Hi everybody. Thanks for tuning in. I'm here in uh beautiful Park City at Heart Space, our retreat center. And you can't hear it, but the birds are chirping so loud outside my window, which is a wonderful sign in between lots of rain and Sunshine we've had over the last week. So
1: it's so nice. It's summertime here too. And as those of you who listen a lot know, I live pretty far outside of anywhere, <laughs> pretty far outside of Chicago in the country, but it's near like Michigan and it's kind of a vacation community. So in the winter, it's pretty isolated. Not many people are out here, but in the summer, you just feel like the biggest genius for living out here and everything is blue and green and yellow and it's, it's lovely out. And summer is actually the setup for what we wanted to talk about today. So on our last episode, we talked about the summer solstice and what it means in terms of alignment and how it's a symbol for aligning as a leader, aligning with teams, aligning with yourself, aligning with your own light. And it was a great episode. As I said, I listened to it this morning. So if you haven't listened to episode 44, we encourage you to take a listen to that. But today we wanted to expand on that theme and talk about alignment specifically and how we keep it between ourselves and our team and how we help teams create it and maybe talk about what works and what doesn't.
0: Yeah. The irony, I just, I don't know how many times we need to get this lesson, but... (laughs) Oh, uh, the opportunity to practice what we preach just deepens. So we talked about aligning to the light of the summer solstice and why it matters for conscious leaders. And then, you know, would say every day this week, we've just been in the soup of practicing it and really trying to clarify what is most important and what we want and how we choose into. to. Growing ourselves and growing our business, and how we continue to coach other people to do the same. So, it's really been a week and a day, quite honestly, of processing, hearing, listening, slowing down, getting passionate about what feels most important. And our hope in sharing this today is you know, this is where the rubber meets the road. It's like when we're being called to actualize and embody these idealistic themes of aligning to the light that we are ourselves individually, aligning to the light of our company, meaning like the true essence, the spirit, the soul of what our businesses are here for and what we're here to do to make this world better. And staying aligned is such a practice and sometimes it feels good and sometimes it's really hard To walk into. So that's really what we wanted to share with you today is it's very fresh and in our face of our co-leadership of constantly, we call it dancing and trying to really listen and combine what feels in alignment to ourselves personally, in alignment to plenty, and then out of alignment. And sometimes when we feel frustrated and off or triggered or stirred up, That's real good fodder for showing us what either new choices we need to make or how do we get back on track of being aligned to our light.
1: Yeah, I love it. So we wanted to share just maybe a few different points that we've learned and that we help teams with. And maybe I'll take the first one and start with, I think generally the teams we work with, everyone has the capacity to be good at this but most groups don't practice it, I would say. And I love our clients and so it's not an insult to them. But I think in the modern business world, there are other things we practice. We practice directives and we practice efficiency and we practice hearing all sides. We don't always practice alignment. And I think everyone that we've worked with has the capacity to align, but not everyone has spent a lot of time in it. So the first thing I'd observe Is I'd pull out one of our favorite metaphors of the river and say, you know, working with people is kind of like working with the world around us and working with the universe. And there's a flow, there's a current, you know, we can get into the groove with people. And when we're in the current, when we're in the groove, when things are clicking, when things are working well, alignment really doesn't take that much effort. It always takes time, but it doesn't always take work. And it's like, being in the river and just being in the current and having a couple paddle strokes sometimes is all you need to really get you sailing down the river. But sometimes, man, when you get out of the current, just like it takes so much work to paddle back into it, like if you get stuck in an eddy or you pull off at the side for a little bit, it takes a little bit of effort and time to find your flow again. And so I think that's the first thing that I've observed Jen, this week. And I think that we do a great job of, we have made this a constant practice. I mean, we meet almost every day and spend about an hour just saying, what are the priorities? What's present? And the more that we do that, the more we're in the current. And I think the easier it gets, but when there's a break, and I think this is what I see in the team sometimes that have never sat down to have a true alignment conversation. It just feels clumsy because they're they haven't practiced it. They haven't built the muscle, and they haven't they haven't spent any time even finding where the flow is. So it's hard for them to get into it,
0: yeah. I mean, I, I love the river analogy, and that's something that is dear to our hearts, and it just works. It's such a great metaphor. I think one of the things that when I think of an actual river is that the river isn't isn't linear. It's not usually a straight line. It's usually curvy. and, you know, it has different terrain. And so, as a paddler or as a passenger on the river, you know it requires you to go with the flow. And where do you find? How do you know when you're in alignment and when you're out of it? Right? How do you know when you're in the the rhythm or the flow of what alignment means? Like, and it's so different than how Google. If you Google alignment, you get two definitions. One is that it's an arrangement in a straight line, or in a correct or appropriate relative position which two objects being in relationship to each other, which I totally buy. I see at some point when you look at the stars or the moon and the planets, for example, you talk about these planets being in alignment. That means like there is kind of a linear path connecting point between the two. But I love the second definition, which is more about a position of agreement or alliance. And from our experience we don't always agree and we don't see the need for teams to always agree right. but there is a commitment to the common ground there is a commitment to the higher good or the what is greater than the collective that creates this aligned path that forges an alliance and a direction to pursue you know i think that's one thing that we see with the teams is The only way to do that from our experience is to listen and to share. And so what are the environments that are being cultivated in safe spaces for people to really bring forth their authentic truth in a conversation, in the collective, in the team, in the meeting? Is there space for people to put their ideas or thoughts that may not be formed totally or completely yet, but they're in process of wanting to create more of an aligned path or a commitment for direction forward. Because ultimately that's what we see the benefit when people slow down, when teams come and they get off the hamster wheel, they take the time out to listen, to share, to co-create what happens, the result is alignment. The result is an alliance forward, that there's a shared commitment because everybody's contributed to it. But it's sometimes it's messy and it's not linear and it's in process. And I feel like we just lived that this morning, that, you know, as we are processing through some discussions and decisions around what is most important now for us to channel our time. Our talent and our resources in, like what's the priority for us to focus on? There's times where we're both very clear of what that looks like. And there's times where we're in the soup of process and we're kind of in the mix, we're in the rapids. The current is flowing and we're trying to find where is the flow itself. And I find that the process to me of even talking through that with you is so calming. And it's really, Helpful. It feels grounding. And when we have that partnership of aligned commitment to hearing where each other is coming from, then it feels like, okay, now we have an alliance to make a decision together rather than being at odds and trying to convince each other what that think? what is right or wrong. And I think that's what we see a lot in the teams that, you know, it's almost like a competition for who's got the best idea or who's got the solve or the the idea to fix whatever the issue is. And then there's kind of a competition that's unspoken as to the loudest voice in the room kind of gets the direction often. And that's not really what alignment is. That's not what we mean by it.
1: Yeah. You said a couple of things. I'd like to build on them and transition to the next one. I love what you said about, you know, I think particularly if you haven't done it in a while, alignment conversations can sometimes be rigorous. They don't always have to be rigorous. Lots of times when you're in the flow, it's really easy to get a group of people together and see that you have consensus or unearth all the viewpoints and create a collective viewpoint. But if you're not in the habit of doing that, sometimes the conversations can be can feel rigorous and they feel rigorous because they require vulnerability. And that in turn, I would just want to underline a point that you made, Jen. That requires open space. And open space for most of the organizations that we work with is in real short supply. It's not because people don't value it, it's because they are in an organizational construct where everyone is busy, productivity is kind of the watchword, nobody has alone time. But open space is needed for people to get clear on what they want to say so they can share in a way that feels safe. And you yourself as a leader can try this. Here's three different models. You'll be amazed at the different results you get from your team if you try three things. First, go into a meeting and lead the meeting. Bring an issue to the table and tell people what you think of it and then ask for comment, right? That's one way to do it. The second way to do it is bring an issue to the table and ask everyone else to comment on it first and then you comment on it second, you'll be amazed at the differences you get in the two approaches when you set the table as a leader and when you let other people contribute first. There's a third way, which is the way we do at our retreats, which is everybody contributes anonymously and nobody knows who said what. And you get incredible viewpoints. They're sometimes hard to hear, but you get all this information that you don't glean the other way. Why? Because people feel like they have space to be vulnerable. They can share what they actually think instead of consciously or unconsciously what they're positioning for someone else to hear. So I love that point about having space to be vulnerable, because it's not just putting the time in, right? That's part of it. But it's saying, I trust you enough to share what I really think about an issue. There's this trust component that you show me and I show you and our clients show us and vice versa. We always say internally, you know, people are paying us for our perspective. So we want to offer our perspective. It's not always easy to do that, but we trust that however people react to it, they're going to understand that the intent is to uplift everyone. So I just, I love that point that you're making about the need for space and I think sometimes we see it's just it's just a precious asset in a lot of our the environments we work.
0: Yeah, and as a, as conscious leaders of people, of teams, of businesses and movements, you can literally create the quality of the space by the frame at which you set the meeting. And so space is important, but how you cultivate the space is equally as important. So one way you can do this if you're on a Zoom meeting or a team meeting is literally include in the meeting a time 15 minutes for everybody to put their leave their computer and go walk outside and contemplate the question that you teed up for them or the challenge that you want their thinking of but literally giving them personal space and reflection time that is not in front of each other to go and collect their thoughts. You don't all have to be in the same room to do this. If you are in the same room, you can ask for everybody to take five minutes privately, quietly to write on a sticky note or write in their journal or piece of paper or whatnot, their reflection thoughts privately with themselves, and then you have them share. That's one way to do it where it's not anonymous, where you're inviting people to really tune into their own personal individual perspective and then share it with the group or if you want to follow the path that Jeff shared about anonymously surveys are amazing polls are amazing and now all the digital tools have these embedded with them is simply ask a question and as the administrator of the meeting you can get those responses back or you can do it by doing a quick survey monkey or some type of survey that is anonymous and then people feel more heard. That's the key thing of alignment is when people feel heard and seen and gotten that they had, that the leader took the time to value their perspective and not tell them what to think, not tell them what to do when it's basically reversed, when their wisdom is extracted and it's fed into the ultimate solution, better things come of it. And then naturally what happens is people are more bought in. And buy-in creates alignment, right? So when people feel a part of something, they are actively participating in kind of the rudder of the ship, right? They're they're helping to steer what direction and they're feeling a part of something. This is quite a salve, if you will, to the wound in corporate America, in the nonprofit space that we're seeing in top-down leadership of people being hired. And being told what to do and not feeling like they have a part of the solution. And that's just creating more overwhelm, frustration, burnout, you know, and job loss, quite honestly. So these are really easy ways that I think we can cultivate as leaders how you foster alignment in a conversation, whether it's in person or online, is not only create space, but participate in how you cultivate that space for your team and inviting them to participate in the solution.
1: I love the little bonus tip you gave, and I just wanna underline that too. One thing that we have learned from doing hundreds, thousands of retreats is that homework doesn't work. People don't have time to do homework. It's pedantic, it feels like pressure, and they're just, don't no assign people time. homework. No one has time to do homework. So if you want people to take 10 minutes and think about an issue, Creating that space in the meeting, creating a little questionnaire with three things that you want people to think about and hand it out and care for people enough that you give them the space in the meeting and don't make people carve things out. I just wanted to highlight that because that is a, one of those little performance hacks that we have learned. And it's amazing if you give people space, what they'll fill it with. Now, the second thing you're pointing to, which I think is worth a little more exploration is that alignment is different than convincing and it's different than compromise, right? And it really is kind of different than consensus. But the simplest one is, you know, alignment isn't convincing. It's not one person coming in and arguing their point and beating everyone up to the point that they just say like, fine, that's not alignment. Now, sometimes there's a need for convincing in the world, although maybe less and less do I believe that to be true. But there are times that you have that skill that's called forth, but that's not what alignment is. You know, alignment is not arguing your point until everybody agree with you. And it's not compromise either. And I think that is maybe the bigger misnomer, Jen, in the groups that we work with is people think like, okay, they're going to get this facilitator and we're going to say, okay, you share your side and you share your side, and then we'll kind of average it out in the meet in the middle. And again, there are times that compromise is really needed, but it's not a higher order solution. Compromise has everyone feeling like they lost a little bit of something. Everybody won something, everybody lost a little something. And if we're thinking in those terms at all, we're not aligned, right? If we're thinking about wins and losses in your view and my view, we haven't really reached alignment. And I, I think that's a subtlety that I've really started to appreciate as we've worked with larger and larger groups who are responsible for larger and larger companies and larger and larger teams that I think effective managers have gotten very, very good at compromise. But again, that's not really what we're talking about. I'll stop there. I'd love to hear what your thought is to that.
0: Yeah. I think like this is what differentiates a manager from a conscious leader you know in order to make the shift that you're speaking about and leading from compromise like what's the solution to that and we see time and time again that conscious leaders who are open hearted and open minded open the door for curiosity curiosity is the antidote to compromise because when we can be open that there's a solution that wants to emerge that maybe we haven't thought of yet Maybe the wisdom's in the room. Maybe it's in the collective, which it always is. Our teams have the answer. We have the answer too, but so do they. The moment we shift from this or that, or I know the way and I'm gonna project that on the team and being curious as to what are the different viewpoints in the room? What are the different viewpoints from the team? We cultivate diversity of thinking, right? That comes up with, you know, a totally different solution that we would bet nobody saw going in. And sometimes that solution has been kind of brought forth in the past, or maybe that has been surfaced, but it really gets to ground and form and concretize as a result of everybody being curious. So it feels like there's just this grand invitation for conscious leaders who are aware, aligned, and intentional, how we define that, to go into leading others and ourselves with more openness of heart and mind in curiosity. And so then how do you cultivate curiosity amongst your staff meetings and decision-making and board meetings instead of what we see often is that they just become an around-the-table reporting out Like It's just more of like status updates rather than here's a topic we're going to kind of workshop together and we're going to get curious about, is there alignment? Is there a solution? Is there a solve to what might be kind of getting in the way or what other opportunities really want to surface to help propel our growth and why we're here? that it feels just like such a game changer. And when we've had the privilege to work with companies like Horton Insurance and Wells Enterprises and Deem Centauri and the leaders of those organizations, wouldn't you say they are open-minded and open-hearted to a solution that they haven't been able to crack yet,
1: right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that like often the boundaries or the things that, you know, it's just like in in personal life, the things that we're afraid of are our teachers, right? The things that feel like they're the blockages to growth in a company setting are often the things that create the curiosity that you're talking about. There are obstacles to just compromise. And I'll give an example without saying the company, we were fortunate last year to work with a multi-billion dollar manufacturing company, Companies often come to us because they're stuck on something, right? They've been running really well and something is now gummed up the works. And in their case, this is a, I think, fairly common scenario now in the world that we're living in. They had a pretty big impasse between the marketing people who are powering growth and the operations people who are trying to make the product. And they didn't have capacity to make the enough product for all the people who wanted to buy it, so the marketing people were already telling customers no, which obviously hits the top line and the bottom line. If you can't, if you start firing customers, like that's not good for business ultimately. But one of the reasons they didn't have enough capacity is they couldn't get people right during COVID. Nobody could get people, and in a lot of industries, you still can't. So here they are; they're running the the manufacturing lines seven days a week. 24 hours a day, and they're still turning over labor like 25% a year because people are being worked so hard, they're quitting, but they still don't have enough product and they're firing customers. So in like a situation like that, there is no ability to compromise because everyone is limited, right? You can't just say, run the line more you're already running it seven days a week for 24 hours and you can't keep saying well marketing just keep firing more customers because if you do that you can't go anywhere and what was really interesting the alignment comes from people saying like oh shit, there's so many dynamics to this situation on your side of the aisle that are as stressful as on my side well maybe there's no sides to this and getting the operations people to see, like marketing people, well, wait, if we keep firing customers, then we'll, we'll reduce our need for labor in the worst way possible. We won't need labor because we won't have business. And getting the marketing people to say, wow, if we keep working people to the bone, we won't have product because people will realize this is not a place they want to work. And the alignment kind of comes from this transcendence. I think what I'm pointing to is you get to a place where the normal tools like compromise, selling in, convincing, arguing your point, they don't work anymore. And then that curiosity that you're pointing to, Jen, something miraculous happens is the people in operations start telling you marketing's point of view, and the people in marketing, start talking as if they're in operations and now we're one team and now we're working together to find a way forward that's maybe something none of us could see because only about, we only had this limited viewpoint.
0: Yeah, and the only way that they got to that is by hearing each other. So yeah. coming back to, you know, facilitating a space where people's not only frustrations but dreams and the nuances of the business, the complexity of jobs, job descriptions of roles can be surfaced and heard and where they're coming from, like what matters to that business unit or that person who's leading the team or hundreds of employees in this, thousands of employees in this case. We can't get to curiosity and alignment unless we're really slowing down to listen to the nuances and listen to the pain points and the opportunities and those friction points that you're talking about that set up the us versus then and honestly cultivate or perpetuate the silos that is just rampant in so many organizations that is like, how do you bridge those gaps? And you bridge the gap by getting cross-functional organizational team members and leaders together. right? And you talk about it and you listen and you teach people how to listen and slow down and not jump to conclusions, but really giving people the space to educate each other, to cross-pollinate what are the complexities of the area of the business so that new insights can emerge. And that's what happens, right? When you, when we create this space and we're open and curious that there's some solution to the issues at hand, which we believe like we're not given any problem without a solution to make it right, that that's on offer in every single meeting, in every single convening, in every single challenge and opportunity. And what would it look like if we could really focus on cultivating cultures that are aligned, that really hear each other, that are ripe for sharing, that support diversity of perspective, this diversity of thinking And diversity of background, right? Then we're creating much more of an inclusive culture that is aligned. Because I don't know, inclusive cultures without alignment for what, right? Like how do we have to move towards creating aligned teams? Because when we do, then we're able to move faster. We're able to produce quicker. It's way more effective and efficient. And then we've got high performing teams as a result.
1: I love the point that you just made there that alignment, I think it's what I was trying to articulate that alignment is is something greater than consensus, right? If If convincing is like you say your argument and I just decide to go along with it is convincing. And then Compromise is kind of like I give a little bit, you give a little bit, we both win a bit, we both lose. I think there's something about consensus too that I would say our teams that we work with are used to practicing, but it's not really what we mean by alignment. Like consensus is kind of we find the common ground in our existing opinions, which can be helpful. But you're pointing to alignment is really about co creating and finding something better. It's about finding this blue ocean. It's not just like everyone brings their best. It's when we are all working together as a team, there's a different gear that's possible. There's a different speed that's possible. And these solutions that weren't even on anybody's radar end up emerging. Yeah, I always know that you and I are getting close when I'll start saying a point you had made (laughs) 10 minutes ago in in a discussion and I'll hear you say mine. And again, that's not quite alignment yet, but that's us trying on each other's clothes and seeing like we're getting to consensus of like, okay, your viewpoint's valid and my viewpoint's valid. Now that I can see the whole field, what's possible? There's something above that is possible. And again, like as a leader, there are structural things you can do. Jen's talking about having cross-functional teams is a really easy one that seems still underutilized. It's so interesting. Everyone loves matrix reporting, but no one actually like has fully functioning teams that are responsible and have view across a wide variety of things. Yeah. There's also just asking people to make the case or make the argument on both sides or asking people to do a site visit of the plant, right? Having all your salespeople visit the marketing operation, having all your operations people visit the marketing agency, like all of those things help people understand the whole landscape and create something that's bigger than just them.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think just one more point of how do you get to practice alignment is the solution of the macro is in the micro. And what I mean by that is if we want to break down silos or create aligned teams, the number one thing we are responsible for, accountable for, and in control of is ourselves. And as a leader of a team, you are responsible. I am responsible for setting the tone, for setting the frame, for Communicating the invitation of how I want people to show up. And then I have to surrender how people do. So being curious to me feels like I have to go in and be really open hearted and open minded that I'm not right, that I may not have the answer. I may have part of the answer. But when I can get to that humility place and surrender, that there is something that's gonna emerge from the collective, from the group, and invite the team members to participate in that individual actualization, that we actually all could come to the meeting, the retreat, the workshop, the conversation, with that commitment alone is enough to allow something greater than ourselves to emerge. When we kind of come to things in fixed form, meaning we know what's right, we have the answer. Everybody we leading is stupid. Nobody understands like what's really going on. Why don't people just roll up their sleeves and do what they're told to? Like we limit what's possible. And the grand kind of calling for all of us to lead conscious businesses is to surrender that there is something more on offer that wants to emerge. Otherwise we wouldn't be working together. It wouldn't be a collective of humanity, of community, of teams. Like you wouldn't need leaders, right? And that feels like the call is like, what are we individually accountable and responsible and in control of ourselves in how we show up in fostering and facilitating alignment? And part of doing so is surrendering that we know the answer that we have a part of that, but so does everybody else. And what would that look like if we could set the frame, set the tone, set the space that can cultivate something greater for your business, for your life, for your team, for your community, or whatever your team looks like.
1: Now, that's such a beautiful point. And I'm glad that's the where you took us. The dropping of ego, a lot of it starts with that, right? And that's what you're pointing to is that or at least that's what I'm hearing is realizing like I don't have the answer to everything. And there are teachers everywhere and there's great input everywhere. And if we can listen to it, we'll be surprised at what we hear. I often think our country at least really celebrates that trailblazing entrepreneur, like the singular visionary. Anybody. Yeah. Yeah, We we love that model. But when you look at the movements that last, it's shared vision, or we would say it plenty, it's shared possibility. It's not one person saying, this is the mountain we're climbing, let's go. It's one person asking other people, which mountain? What's compelling? What do you think? And everyone feeling empowered to do that. And then we together pick a place to go. And I think the people we most admire, when you hear them talk about what they accomplish, they always talk about what we accomplish. They talk about all the people that lifted them up and helped them get there and the shoulders that they're standing on. And I think that's important to bring up in this conversation. You know, it's not that we don't each have a vision or a part to play. Of course we do. It's that. There's something greater if we can take our visions and put them together and not thinking we have the whole picture to everything. Really love that.
0: Well, and truly it's something that we advise and coach nonprofits for that are working to create peer-to-peer movements and fundraising strategies and scaling their national programs that communities spawn with shared care. So we have to understand what our constituents and our customers care about. What do they really light up about? Where do they give a shit? And do those elements align back to what our cause cares about or our business cares about? That's the secret sweet spot of alignment is aligning to the shared care. Who are you serving? And do they care about the same thing you do? And if not, then your constituents off right your buyers off because they're they're misaligned right or partnerships if you're looking to create alliances and mergers or acquisitions do they care about the same thing you do that's a great way to see if you're in alignment or out of alignment or on the personal level relationships like where is the harmony between your care and my care it doesn't have to be everything for sure you and i see a lot of differences we don't care about all the same stuff, but a lot we do. And that creates this natural harmonic of alignment, right? And then we can build on that. And when a team cares about the same thing or a common care, if you will, that naturally generates momentum and energy and fuel. It's really the the seat of passion. It's You can't really make up what you give a shit about. Like You either care about it or you don't. So it's really helpful as anybody listening who's in transition of jobs or careers, or you're wondering if you should stay at the company that you're at or embark on a new adventure, is to just ask yourself, what do I really care about? And does the company or the place that I'm at care about the same thing? Mm -hmm. And if not, it's an indicator of where you're misaligned. And if so, it's a wonderful indicator to lean in and to explore more of that shared care and then cultivate it with the people you
1: lead. No, I love that. And one thing you said, nonprofits, and you talked about peer-to-peer, but I'd say, look, any modern student of marketing, if you haven't seen that your brands are actually owned by your customers, Right. We are we are stewards of the brands that our companies hold, but our customers own the brand. They decide how it is translated. And there's great stories of companies completely, you know, suing their own customers for copyright infringement versus other companies empowering their customers to use their brand any way they want. And those are the kind of brands that are growing in and thriving in this world. And I love the point that where you're taking us home to. If you've listened to this podcast enough, you've heard us talk about Meridian, which is our our strategy retreat that helps organizations align on what to do next when they're stuck. But we always start with aligning people to what they personally care about and then aligning groups around those cares. And one thing I see that is very hopeful to me, Jen, there's never been a group, maybe a couple, but Almost every group we've worked with, when we ask people independently to get clear on what they care about, and then you put those in a room together, there's been very few times that we haven't seen all these tears well up and people's eyes open and huge smiles as they realize, oh, everyone in here ultimately cares about the same things that I do. And in the few places that it hasn't worked yet, it's been cultural reboot, complete cultural rebuild. But most of the time, people will come to us and say, I had no idea how much I had in common with the people I've worked with. I've known these people for years and I never knew that they liked X, Y, and Z. I think at the end of the day, we we all want to share. That's what you're pointing to. We all want to share what we care about and we all want to find that in another in the people around us. And
0: it's our best human trait. I personally don't believe it can be hijacked or taken over by AI, is our ability to care.
1: Mm.
0: That genuine heart field of caring about each other, caring about what matters, caring about different subjects feels irreplaceable of AI. And I think that really needs to be kind of more cultivated in business is our shared care and extracting that and and really co-creating on that platform and what happens when we do. I'm not saying AI isn't going to help leverage a tremendous amount of productivity and efficiency and goodness, but let's not forget that we are here placed on the planet to care for one another, right? And in the spirit of philanthropy, we talk about, you know, the definition Is the love of humanity. It's really like love and care comes from our heart space. It comes from the ability to be human. And how can we cultivate that growth lever more in business? And it's a path to alignment. The more we can enter that space, the more we grow personally and professionally, individually and collectively. And I think that's what we see in our work together, and it's what we see in our work with clients which is a privilege to witness and a privilege to facilitate.
1: Lovely. So that was a little riffing on alignment right there. Other new, news items I just wanna mention briefly. Last episode, we talked about Riley was gonna graduate. He has graduated
0: He has graduated.
1: My son, Danny, my youngest, is now in high school. Holy crap, two in college, two in high school. Time's moving on. I also need to mention, because it's so present to me right now, the season finale of Ted Lasso. And we're going to have to do a whole podcast. Yeah, on... Let's not talk about
0: that now. But if you haven't watched the episodes, watch it.
1: Yeah. And brilliant. Beautiful. It's so sweet. And if you want a live dose of that, come to Lantern. Because I feel like we practice what's preached there well. Yeah.
0: Lantern, our leadership retreat in Park City, Utah. We offer it three times a year. And we'd love to have you. Yeah. So you can find out more at plentyconsulting.com.
1: Sneaky little ad in there. Okay. Thanks for joining us today. That is nice. Going a little deeper on alignment and more to come in the summer. Yeah.
0: Thanks for tuning in. Please share as always and really appreciate you listening. Best is yet to come.
1: Thanks for tuning in. Join the conversation and learn more at www.plentyconsulting.com.